another edition of the Deep for Dive podcast, produced locally in the Roman Catholic Archdiocese of Washington, D.C., here at Sacred Heart Roman Catholic Church in the Plate of Maryland. My name is Bill Winnell, once again, joined by Father Larry Swink. Hey, bro. And Father Scott Woods. Hey, Bill. Today we're going to talk about victim souls, or some people refer to them as suffering souls. We're going to talk about some of the saints who were such, uh, and uh, we'll let Father Larry start kind of and explain the impetus behind this particular topic for this podcast. Father. Yeah, so, yeah, thanks, Bill. So, uh, yeah, I, this uh, last 10 days I've, uh, I've been going through some rough times physically and had uh, kind of waiting for a prognosis on a possible autoimmune disease. And, uh, but um, it's been sort of a constant suffering. And so I was trying to, in prayer, trying to figure out, like, how do I make the most out of this? And, and I think a lot of times when people are in situations where um, they feel helpless or they feel like um, they can't do much because of their physical sufferings, which are many people today, um, you know, we encounter a lot, um, is that there's such a, that maybe God, can, uh, not maybe, but if someone, you know, unites that to the cross of Christ, that um, it can do a lot of good for souls, maybe more good than even, you know, preaching a great homily or, you know, uh, laboring in the, in the vineyard, shall we say. And I guess the, the, the scripture verse that uh, I'd like to start with, and then we'll kind of go into discussion, is St. Paul to the Colossians, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 24, he says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ on behalf of his body, which is the church, right? Now, I guess, uh, you know, I mean, Father Scott, I guess the first thing is, obviously, this is not, saying that Jesus didn't do enough on the cross because he did. But I guess uh, from this interpretation, wouldn't this mean that God is saying that sometimes he allows certain, some of us or all of us at times to go through uh, permissive suffering for the church? Correct. And <clears throat> it really is an invitation. Uh, we have to really see it as, because I, I remember reading this the first time in, in high school and, and really pondering how, why and of course the why is, is not because of a uh, insufficiency on the part of Christ, but a, but a desire that we as 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 you know in a way other Christ as as uh, members of His body are called to also help sanctify the church, and that one of the greatest ways to do this is through embracing uh, the cross that the crosses that the Lord brings into our life, and that you know sometimes I, I think I've mentioned previous podcasts, how sometimes I'll have, especially young people who just go through a conversion, uh, come to me and go, oh, Father, I want to I want to do like major fasting, and I want to I want to like uh, wear a hair shirt, and I can't find one. Where do I buy it? And uh, Amazon, Amazon, of course, I'm sure. <laughs> and right. uh, and they'll and they'll ask for things, and I and and I've been led to say, you know, well, you know, uh, are you are you being like increasing your obedience to your parents, uh, particularly when they ask you to do the thing you don't want to do or right. when it's you're harder than wearing a hair shirt, much harder than wearing a hair shirt are, you know, these things where, where they're then being invited uh, through obedience, through proper obedience, or of course, uh, the next time you have a cold or you're in your grouchy because of, of sickness and the temptation to grouchiness and impatience, you know, are you striving then to increase and even taking that opportunity to lift it up for the sake of souls. And that this is, in fact, what we see with the saints. Um, and, and it really is a big part of the message also of Fatima. Mm. How, do you, how, do you, how do you personalize that, that, that off, offering, it, so to speak? I mean, do you, you, know, do you, do you attach a, 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 an, an ask 
to that. You know, that that's Lord, one of the I, best ways. I had a, I had a person who worked for me who I used to always say, hey, every because he had a, tough, a really tough time getting up in the morning. And I just said, you know, I want you to put a, a, I want you to put different names of people who need a conversion on that on that snooze button. And so when you when you're tempted to hit that snooze button, you're going to feel the name and, and see a face and you can offer up that struggle. You know, and and I think, but the harder one, which I think Father's making reference to, is the is the more chronic, um, where there's no clear end, you know, and uh, my dad has suffered from major migraines, and they can hit at any time, and they can last for hours or days or weeks, mm-hmm. and you know, how do you deal with that? How do you how do you deal with that? And and just the temptation to Lord, why? Um, or a, it, or a complete pity party. A complete pity party yeah. and, and anger or frustration. And just that invitation um, that the Lord to see that. To, to, and this is where the, the intellect has to enter in and the will to say, Jesus, I trust in you. Help my lack of trust. And, and I'm going to, in this moment, lift up all the sufferings over this moment of time, this period of time, or, or to the Lord for this person or this cause um, is, is very powerful. Mm, absolutely. You know, there's, uh, have you guys ever read um, John Paul's letter on redemptive suffering? Oh yes, that's awesome. Vici Dolores. It's actually um, uh, a beautiful letter. It's not that long. And uh, number nineteen, he says, in bringing about the redemption, uh, he says, in bringing about the redemption through suffering, Christ has also raised human suffering to the level of redemption. Thus, each man in his suffering can also become a sharer in the redemptive suffering of Christ. And uh, you know, the victim soul thing comes in because I, I was reading this that some saints were permitted to go through incredible, incredible uh, pain and suffering, not just physical, but spiritual suffering um, that would just, would just be, would blow anyone away, you know? Um, And, but there's an interesting point, and I want to go through some of these saints, is that they always got a special gift with it. So after a little period of time, they got like special gifts that helped the church, namely charisms. You know, and I think one in particular is I know I don't know if you guys are big fans of Padre Pio. Never heard but, of him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, I mean, obviously we've all heard about you know we know about his stigmata, but uh, he so he lived from 1887 to 1968. I've actually prayed by his tomb three times, and uh, he was. It says of, of him not only did he have the stigmata, which is you know the five wounds from the time he was a young man till. Uh, close to when he died, he also was poor health most of his life. He had terrible health. And the, the amazing thing about him is like the guy still plugged along, you know, just kept going at it, you know, amidst like these incredible forces of evil against him. He'd get beat up by the devil. He, he had stigmata. He had poor health. I mean, he was, um, and I think uh, oddly enough, he prayed to God that he could be one. And he offered it for the salvation of souls and also, in particular, uh, souls in purgatory. And uh, apparently, you know, souls in purgatory used to even appear to him uh, asking for help because they knew he was like in the, that was his business, you know, taking souls out of purgatory, you know. Um, have you, Father Scott or Bill, have you ever met someone of faith who's not a priest, who's not canonized, who's living today without names that you could say, you know, you know, a lay person that you could say is a, a victim soul. 
I'll go first only because it's timely. <clears throat> so, uh, you know, Lars a nurse, my wife's a nurse, and um, she had a, one of her uh, patients that she care manages for uh, passed away yesterday. And right. Lars just found out about it this morning by reading an online document at the hospital center um, describing the last 24 hours of her life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to, to, to say she was riddled with cancer would be an understatement, literally everywhere, including in some of the worst places, you know, where, that can't be, you know, dulled for pain, like bone and things like that. So oh. riddled, clearly was suffering. Right. I We were talking about it this morning, Lars, like this woman even hid some of her diagnoses, not in a deceptive way from her husband, but number one, not to worry him. And she, uh, and I, and Laura said the, the most amazing thing was every time she spoke to her up until the very end, she never complained or about anything. And, you know, she was, a, she was a woman of faith and she, like I said, didn't share things with her family, even, um, even though, like I said, Laura was just reading this out loud and come, not coming from a, med- a medical, uh, you know, background at all. It just, you know, she's using words that just sound horrible. And, and, and like I said, literally like 80% of her body riddled with cancer and she never complained and she just accepted it, offered it up and still maintained her faith, but lived it not on her sleeve, you know? Um, so that was just very timely that that happened today, but good father. Yeah. I, I know a woman right now who is also has uh, cancer and, and she found out and, you know, it's been interesting as her husband was telling me, he was like, yeah, the, the, like where the rest of us are very upset and very, and very pained by it. And she, when she talks, you know, she's just, she has this joy and this peace and confidence in the Lord that number one, he can heal her. And no matter what, number two, no matter what he is with her. And, and therefore, whatever, you know, it's, it's going to do all she can for the, for the sake of her family and herself you know, to, to, to survive this and be healed and to ask the Lord, but also has you know, that perfect trust that, Lord, whatever your will is, I'm, I know you're going to give me the grace to embrace it. Wow. Here's, a, here's another saint. I, I don't know if he's a saint, but you ever heard of Marth Robin? Uh, from, she died in 1981. I think she's up for up for sainthood. Okay. Listen to this. She was completely paralyzed by the age of 28. Incredibly, at 25, she no longer could take food. And at 26, she could not sip water. For the last half century of her life, Robin survived solely upon the weekly Eucharist. Wow. Immediately upon receiving the sacred host, she would enter a mystical experience or ecstasy of the passion of Christ. The stigmata and the wounds of scourging of the crown of thorns would appear on her body. Robin was also able to read a person's soul, enabling her to give excellent spiritual advice. And she seemed to have very specific knowledge of events happening from her. So I, I think the interesting thing about now when we're talking about like hardcore victim souls, like the ones that get like this one who lived off the, uh, the Eucharist, you know, for uh, 50 years. And, but I, I think that the cool thing about these, these souls is God also gives them like St. Paul, gives them amazing gifts on to like, it's like you get, you get a trade, you know? So Padre Pio could be, I locate, but he also had to, you know, had to go through this incredible suffering constantly, you know? So I think it's, that's kind of a, a plug. Um, and uh, anyway, um, how would you, uh, you know, it's, it all goes back to the, this whole thing of, uh, 
you know, once again, redemptive suffering and uh, uh, using it uh, to uh, weaponizing it in a certain way. Right. So, you know, I, uh, my sister was, I was complaining about something and my sister was like, Hey, would you just weaponize that? You know? And I was like, what do you mean? And she, you know, it was a Spoken great like line. a true sister. Yeah. Right. Just weaponize it. Like use it for good, you yeah. know, use it like turn, play judo with it. Um, but I think this, once again, this is something that's very difficult to do for most people, you know, unless you have incredible faith and incredible, um, you know, sort of, uh, um, you know, hope, I think there's a lot, I think hope is one of the virtues that's really necessary for someone to kind of look at it from a positive, because we're looking at victim souls also very optimistic about things. And I think the evil one uh, tends to make it look like a, just a dark shadow. Like there's, this is not going to turn out good, you know, which that's what people go through when they're going through suffering. You want to say something about that, Father Scott? Yeah. And, and, uh, and, and just the recognition that, you know, it's a, this daily kind of wrestling or battle within oneself and, and that the calling on the Lord, because you recognize you're not self-sufficient, which is one of the hardest things I think uh, is, especially in the Western world, we like to be self-sufficient, the self-made man. And, and really we need the God made man. And that happens through the, the, the kind of tearing away at our self-sufficiency and, and the, that, that more and more dependency on the Lord uh, to give us that hope that, one can then become more centered on the promises of the Lord, both not just in heaven, but also now the faithfulness and to be there in the present moment. You know, when our tendency is to uh, look, because I find with people who are suffering greatly physically or mentally, it's just the temptation to look into the far future and just see nothing but darkness. And I, and I find that really what they have to do is they look in the future and they have to see Christ staring at them, you know, there with them, whatever is to come. And you all see this. I mean, uh, you know, being, being, you know, visiting parishioners in in hospitals and hospice and everything else. And to me, it it would be a, it would be a, you know, um, unfortunately it, you see it a lot (laughs) because of the nature of your job, but it would also be very affirming to me what being around people who are near the end of their life, earthly life at least, but yet are th- that positivity they have and the trust, like you talked about. I mean, how do, how that has to feed you all. <laughs> I mean, and I and I often see so many priests. Um, I often wonder, even priests who are very close to people who have died, and the good the good thing is uh, the 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 priests are usually knowing what's to come and hopefully putting our trust in what's to come after they pass. Um, you, the priests I see, they're not sad because they know of, they, they know of the assurance that our Lord, I guess has given, but uh, you know, a lot of family members aren't there yet and they have this, you know, they, they're going through grief and a lot of times anger. How do you, you know, on a, a lot of families, you, we talk about why, you know, good that can come from these things. A lot of, I'm sure we can all, tell stories about families who have had either a reversion or a complete conversion as a result of seeing their family members die the way they died, you know, with their trust in the Lord. And, um, I don't know. I just, I've seen a couple people, you know, family members of people who have passed come really come around and have complete reversions. Yeah, in my first parish assignment, I remember there was a man who's, uh, yeah, 
in the midst of the dot-com burst, lost his job, well-paying job, and then lost it, then his home burned down. Then him, his wife, and his daughter had to move into a family, a good Catholic family's basement. Then she found she had cancer um, and, and died pretty quickly. She was a woman of deep faith. He had always been about money and success and stuff, and just everything was taken away. All he had left was his daughter, these good people who took him in, and... But from there, he he finally said, "I have nothing else but God," and he and an example of his wife who just continued to trust all the way through and to, and to have that peace and joy uh, just had a powerful effect. And, and years later, he he was finally able to say, "You know, the Lord knew exactly what He was doing because with, I don't see that I would have ever changed. For me, everything was was this world, and now I know I'm ready. Um, I'm being readied uh, to go home to the Father, where." Tenfold, twentyfold, a hundredfold will be given. Mm, it sounds, it sounds like Job right there. Really, you know, really. About. Yep. And, it's, and there's that line in Scripture when I think it's like that week. I mean, that the first chapter of Job is uh, is pretty powerful. And uh, let me see if I can pull this up. But you know, he loses his kids. He loses like most of his material possessions. Uh, you know, and and he goes through this, like this huge, you know, sort of, uh, tsunami of just, of economic, physical and spiritual suffering. And he says, I think the line of scripture says, and he did not, he did not, um, he stayed people and did not, uh, curse the Lord, curse the Lord. Yeah. He didn't curse the Lord, you know? And I think that's the key. I mean, that's kind of what you're saying is that's what, that's what kind of like gets people to have hope is like, why are you not angry at God for what he's allowing you to go through? Right. And I think that's, that's essentially what, what really moves people to um, conversion is like, you must really believe in this, this Jesus, you know, uh, redemption, heaven, uh, that this is not pointless, you know, and that's, I think that's a very convincing uh, yeah, I think that's just, what was the big thing in the Father Stan movie, you know, that was this, that. A Father Stu? Father Stu, I'm sorry, yeah. Father Stu. <laughs> Father Stan. Yeah. yeah. The Father yeah. Stu movie, you know, was just, just uh, and I loved how much they showed his wrestling with it. You know, it wasn't right. just this flip of the switch where he's like, yeah, this is, you know, my, what my, you know, he, no, he is, that scene in the church where he's shouting at the Lord and falls on the floor. I mean, that was so powerful. I just remember crying my eyes out. I mean, that was just so raw and so real to w- what I've seen people who go through that, you know, who have that. Oh, 100%. And, uh, and that, yeah, go, go ahead, Bill. No, I was going to say, let, let, uh, if, you, if uh, redemptive suffering, lest you think it's not biblical, Paul's your guy, right? Uh, I mean, Corinthians is full of it, you know, Romans, Colossians, uh, many places, are just a couple here. Uh, uh, f- well, start with Mark's gospel. Whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. From Romans, per- um, uh, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If if only we suffer with him, so that we also we may also be glorified with him. And then from Corinthians, First uh, Corinthians, yet uh, we will receive strength to endure whatever comes our way. And speaking of that, you know, we always hear that that old adage that's not biblical or scripture that, uh, you know, the Lord only gives you what you can handle. And I, I mean, I know we all have feelings on that, but this kind of, I'm not going to say it supports that statement, but we are, we are assured of the strength we need. Well, I, I, yeah. And I think, I mean, I, I think we kind of, we sometimes misinterpret that bill. I mean, I think no, and that's uh, what I meant. I mean, it's not, I think every, I mean, everyone on this podcast, I think, 
could say that we've had experiences that are way above our pay grade. Uh, but I think the point is, and even Paul, like if he hadn't probably known, like, you know, when he decided to, you know, take the, you know, be a missionary and all the beatings and stuff he'd go through, I, he might've thought twice about it, you know? But I think the thing is that he gives, because there's that one, there's also St. Paul has that one scene uh, in, uh, was it Corinthians where he's asking the Lord to take this pain away from the thorn in the flesh. And he's like begging the Lord. And the Lord says, no, my grace is sufficient for you. And, you know, of course, Bible commentators are always trying to say, what's the thorn in the flesh? We tend to put our own thorn in there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> sure. That's what we you know, do. Like, oh, it's you know, this or that. It's like, yeah. well, that's your thorn, you know, but that's maybe <laughs> not his thorn. You know, but it, everyone can relate to that. But the whole thing is, do we realize that it might be, you know, this whole, I mean, it ties in with divine providence that God's using it for for the salvation of our soul, essentially. And the salvation of others. Well, the, right. You know, um, do you think, Bill, I mean, go ahead. Well, let me ask you a question. I mean, have you, I mean, not to put you on the spot, never, but have you, have you, have you ever had an experience where you're going through suffering? You prayed for someone and you saw fruit from it as a result of their suffering, your suffering, my suffering. Like, and you're like, and you were like, you're like, it can't be a coincidence. You prayed for someone. You're like, okay, I'll take that as a, as a fruit of whatever of the suffering that I yeah, to. I think it's easy. I mean, it, it's well, look, the whole redemptive suffering thing. And, and it's funny whenever you, it's, it comes up every year with in RCIA and that's a tough one for certain people of certain backgrounds to it's, it's a foreign language to them in, in many cases. And, but I will say as a father and a grandfather, right. um, that has taken on a whole new meaning for me. Um, yeah. you know, as far as yes, uh, you were praying for family members or yeah, I can say that I can say it for sure. And it's been, it's not been explainable. Um, it's been explainable for me and that I chalk it up to that, but I think, right. yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think that's, and that gives you hope, doesn't it? It does. Uh, yes, <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah. Uh, makes you think all this is real. And, uh, I mean, it, you know, puts a, wow, I'm not just, you know, re, I'm not just telling people what's out of the, you know, out of this book every week uh, at RCIA or, or, you know, we're not just, you know, again, teaching this stuff. It, yeah. It makes it all real. Right. Right. Which I think in many cases is one of the most difficult things, you know, we, <laughs> no, no, that's what I was going to say. Well, I was just going to say, you know, when John Vianney, you know, I think for us as parish priest and, and, and parents, any type of shepherd can follow John Vianney who came to a parish that was just dead and the way he started the conversion was starting with himself and embracing, you know, the crosses. Not and not again just the crosses he chose, but particularly the ones he didn't, you know, the, the rejection of the people, the uh physical sufferings that he already had, um, all sorts of things, uh, before he did the rest. Recognizing that no, I I, I have this is the first way the battles fought for souls. So how do you avoid the, the danger of, you know, uh, the pity party and saying, and, and, and uh, not that you can't offer up sitting in traffic every day for two hours, but you know, there's a fine line between the, the everyday pains that we complain about versus what a victim soul goes through. Right. 
Well, <clears throat> I think there's two levels. I would say, you know, most of us are probably like, you know, minor league, you know, offering up, you know, that can't help you know, the baseball analogy. Go ahead. <laughs> you, know, like, you know, the minor pinpricks that everyone at ghost, sure. you know, the occasional headache, the traffic, yep. or you stub your toe or, uh, you know, these types of things. And those are, those are very efficacious too. I mean, we've got to learn to deal with these little pinpricks. And I think, but one of the mysteries I think that we, we over, we overlook, um, is when you start digging into the saints lives, I mean, like, right, let's take say Faustina. I always, every time we think about Faustina, what's the first thing you think about? Divine mercy. Yeah, right. And, and that Jesus appeared during, you know, that's picture. But we don't think about the sufferings that Jesus on this beautiful woman allowed her to go through while he's talking to her. And um, actually, she right, also the fact had that everyone thought she was crazy. Yeah, exactly. Her, well, yeah. I mean, she was alienated. Yeah. Um, she had the hidden, she actually had a hidden stigmata. So you can imagine, like, she's telling her spirit director, I've got the stigmata. It feels like I'm being crucified. It's like, okay, you know, time to go, <laughs> time to go get the counselor, you know. And, um, and, but then, uh, but then, um, but it, uh, there was, I mean, and it was just being considered a lunatic. But then she said she offered up much pain for the sake of sinners. So she took this message of God. And, but God said, all right, look, Faustina, um, I'm really going to put you through the ringer here. You're going to die a young age and you're going to have tuberculosis and you're going to have all kinds of weird things happen to you, but we're going to, we're going to make this happen for the, for the salvation of sinners. And you think about it that, you know, we, we tend to always look at that one side where, oh, she saw Jesus and that's so wonderful. But like, there was a cost that came with that, you know, to be able to do that. And, and she, only in heaven did she know what those like hours of torment did for souls when no one could see her. You know what I mean? And I think that's the, some of these saints, I mean, you look at them and like, they just had horrific lives, like absolutely horrific lives. And I think that uh, in some ways, I, I think in, as Catholics, we still deep down, I still think deep down, we have a little bit of prosperity gospel in us mm. where I think that like there is there, I, I'm not going to put this on the table, but I think a lot of Catholics, they're like, I mean, you just, when people like, you know, when you're going, I mean, notice how like you're going through something, how people react to it. They're like, oh yeah, I'll pray for you. But it's like, they don't want to hear about it. You know what I mean? Cause they're like, yeah. thank God what's going through their mind. Thank God. I'm not going through that. Yeah. And uh, you know, it sucks to be you, but, but the thing is, um, I think that most Catholics, a lot of Catholics, unfortunately, and myself included, in my spirituality, which I'm trying to figure this out, is that we still think deep down, like Protestants, that if something goes wrong with us or we have to go through suffering, it's because we did something wrong. Being punished. And, right. We're being punished. Or, you know, rather than that God's like using this as a powerful means of of sanctification. Sure. Like right. I said, I, I wasn't kidding. I mean, would, would you agree with that no, statement? I, would, oh, yeah, I wasn't kidding when definitely. I said, when you start talking about redemptive suffering to people from essentially most non-Catholic backgrounds, yeah, they look at you like, what is this all about? You know, you, you know, there's merit in suffering or there's, you know, you, yeah, it's, it's every year. I mean, I see it and it's, it's very real. And, and I think mm -hmm. the thing, first thing that I know other people say when they deal with, with a major suffering in life who are good, faithful Catholics, and that I often say, you know, why me? You know, I was just listening to Mother Angelica just uh, not too long ago from one of her old broadcasts, and she's, 
and she said, talked about her own when she got, you know, when she was suffering a lot, and she just said, why me? And she said, Jesus said to her, why me? Mm. <laughs> wow. No, no comeback for that one. <laughs> she said that was the last time she ever said, why me? <laughs> Yeah, wow. What was some of the stuff she went through? I mean, I know I, I, I she had some pretty awful physical stuff, didn't well, she? Polio, if I remember right. And then afterwards, uh, she had major, she with her walk of the limp. And, yeah. and oh, then that one. was healed, and she rejoiced. I remember live seeing when she came out and was they broke into a broadcast, and she was suddenly healed and rejoicing. And within, what, a year or two, she had a major stroke oh, and could, lost her ability, she could no longer do any of the broadcast. She could no longer run the order. Everything was seemingly taken away. She was very hard to understand. Her face was frozen. Yeah. That beautiful smile she had, her face was kind of locked in. Um, and she was just a lot of suffering. And I, and I think the, the, the suffering of not being able to do the things she once did, I'm sure it was so much greater because she was still, you know, when possible traveling and, and talking and, and uh, and had to turn everything over to to others around her, and uh, and so yeah, she went through a lot. Their mother went through a lot. So, what are the keys to uh, uh, to you know accepting your 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 chosenness? You know, uh, instead of complaining about it, and don't I know prayer? I know all this other stuff, but let's be honest. A lot of people who who are going through this aren't at the time saints. And, you know, right. obviously the first instinct, the human instinct is anger and, 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 you know, well, why me and everything else? Well, I, I think, I think, I don't think, I don't think, I don't think, I think, I don't think that saints, even being Paul and I don't, and even, you know, uh, Mother Angelica, and I'm sure there was moments like you have to understand, like you're human. And I, I would say the normal reaction and, and John Paul II talks about this and in, in his letter on. Uh, redemptive suffering the first reaction is anger like there's an anger and it's just like you know like why why is this happening i mean that's just a very and i think like our lord and i mean there's a fear i think that a lot of things the other thing too about chronic suffering is that there's a lot of anxiety that comes with it fear, you know the, I mean? fear the unknown what's oh what's, yeah what's like where is this yeah. gonna go yeah. how is this gonna turn out what's gonna happen can i still be um, a priest so yeah, whatever. Yeah, like yeah. I mean, I mean, shit. I've been going through that like the last ten. I'm like, good grief, is this gonna? Yeah, but but um, but I think that that um, that's all from the evil one though. I mean, I think all that the anxiety, like the suffering is is one thing, but the negative the negative emotions, you gotta harness it, and it's hard. You gotta harness it, and you gotta you gotta say, okay, all right, all right. If I look at it, if you look at it as a gift and not as a curse, that's the start. But it's really hard to look at chronic suffering as a gift. You know what I mean? Amen. Like your dad. I mean, to say, oh, this is a gift. I have a headache, you know, 20, you know, for three weeks. What a gift, you know? And it's like, you know, <laughs> but that's the first thing is you have, there's that transformation. I think that's what happened to Father Still is, you know, Father Still, like he didn't go where with this idea that, you know, um, oh, this is great. I mean, he went through a lot of, a lot of, you know, just sort of rebellion against this, this thing. But then I think he just accepted. He said, you know what? I'm gonna make the most of it, and and that's what happened. And then the transition happened where, you know, he started hearing confessions in the nursing home and blah blah blah. He, and one thing about that movie that I think stunk is they didn't show really what he did in that nursing home. 
Yeah, right. They just showed the line or whatever. I mean, yeah, but yeah. it was like, I mean, apparently the whole staff was converted. Wow. Like the whole staff, you know, and like lines upon lines, priests were converted, um, you know, all this other stuff. So there was a great gift that he was given, but it was it was a long road. And I think you have to go to the Garden of Gethsemane where you have to wrestle with God is like, you know, not by will, but your will be done. That's that. And Jesus, and I understand that Jesus went through it. So, and not to feel ashamed that you feel like angry about it or this. I mean, that's very human, I, I think. But then there comes a point where you got to put your big point pants on and say, okay, um, all right, God, if you're permitting this, okay. Now this is even the little things like traffic jam. If you're permitting this, then I accept and let's just move on with life and let's make it happen. And this, so is, this is the reason why you have to do it in the small things now. Mm. Now, for all of us who are healthy <laughs> and don't have chronic suffering, we need to do it now in preparation for when it comes. Because if we want to be a saint, as many of us say we want to be, then at some point something's going to happen that's going to challenge in that way. And it's right. in doing the, all the saints. This is the, the danger nowadays with us not having taking seriously Fatima and the message of penance and the message of detachment in a, in a world that's becoming more and more obsessed with comfort that we're not going to be ready, you know, if, if, uh, if something, some major disaster happens and all these comforts are taken away, we're not going to be ready spiritually because we're not using the time we have now to already begin to have a proper detachment and to lift up the smaller sufferings that are offered each day and to see them for what they are. Because that's the thing I tell a lot of my directees. You have to already begin to see these as gifts and thank the Lord immediately. And then when you have chronic suffering, the thing I, I've often said to my directees is, you know, you have to see it as like a, a, a freak wave that comes out of nowhere. And they're going to be the, all these freak waves basically through a lot of this. And you know where a freak, the thing about a wave or a tide, you know, it comes in and the danger, most people aren't hurt when it comes in. They're, they're really hurt when it drags you out to sea. Uh, I call it the sea of hopelessness and despair is what it threatens to do. Mm. And it's then that we have to cling to the one rock we have who is Jesus Christ. We have to say, Jesus, I just, I just give myself over to you. I, I trust in you, even though I don't feel you, even though I don't see how you're using this. I choose to cling to you and nothing and no one else. And, and that has to be just done every time that freak wave kind of hits, which it will a number of different times and, and when you least suspect it. You know, that temptation to despair or the overwhelming. Cause I, I remember this is a tiny little thing compared to what most people have, but I just remember I first had to get my sleep apnea machine. <laughs> it just, you know, it seems like a crazy thing, but one of the hardest things, because there are people who get those machines and get and stop using them even though they need them, because just you realize I'm gonna have to use this stupid machine the rest of my life. Now I can't imagine for people who have a more suffering that greater suffering, and just mentally that I would have to be dependent on something like that was a, a lot for me, and that was tiny compared to what so many others go through. But Scott, it was so good. Father Scott, take up your sleep apnea and follow him. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so, yeah, anyway. But, yeah, and I, I yeah, so anyway, I did a good discussion. I mean, there's there's some good stuff out there on the Internet. If you look, type in victim soul, it's totally Catholic because no one else believes in that. Um, you know, so you know, there, I, I think I'd be careful Any saying dumb, that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but for the most part, you're gonna, it's going to be a Catholic website. It's really interesting, especially, I think, for folks out there that if you're going through chronic suffering, 
and pain. Um, yeah, it's not easy. And I think that you need hope. And I think there is, there's, um, in some ways, you know, maybe you're blessed, you know, and this goes back to that St. Teresa of Avila uh, line where, you know, she said, <laughs> if this is how you treat your friends, no one you have so few, you know? And uh, so you might be a good friend of Jesus. If you're out there and, you know, a lot of people I, I'm starting to realize, um, and um, Father Scott, I'm sure Bill, yourself included, that find themselves in situations where it's just, it just seems like things are relentless, you know, and things just don't, the, the pain just doesn't seem to let up, you know, not just physical, but like all kinds of stuff, marriages and, you know, spiritual problems and things like this, but there's hope. And I think if we don't understand the redemptive mean of suffering, then it's, it's, it's a zero end game, you know, and devil wins. But I think if we look at it as a, a plus sign, you know, I think you know, like a cross, then it becomes a much more positive experience or at least helps a little bit, you know? So Father Scott, we get your blessing. Certainly in the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord be with you. With Speak. your spirit. Bow your heads and pray for God's blessing. May only God send forth his richest blessings upon you to sanctify you, to purify you, to build you, to heal you, to restore you, to bring light wherever there's darkness in thought, in word, or in deed, to bring forth all that the graces you will need, both in dealing with your and lifting up your present small sufferings as well as those larger ones are to come, and trusting everything into the hands of our Lord who loves you and is always with you, will never leave you, and will always seek you, that he may prepare us well and bless us much, so that we might be a blessing to others. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen.